Welcome to the Treasure Coast Community Church Podcast. TC3 Church is located in Stewart, Florida, and we're thankful that your listening journey has brought you to us. Our prayer is that everyone who tunes in connects the life-changing power of Jesus Christ in a real way. You will also discover, if you dig a little deeper, that TC3 is full of imperfect people who are simply striving daily to be more like Christ than they were the day before. The journey for us is about progress, not perfection. We pray that as you listen, you will be filled with hope, endurance, and joy as you experience life change. Enjoy today's message. Man, we're so uh, we're so thankful for them. Y'all making a brother cry before I even start today. That's a that's a real challenge. Uh, man, I'm so thankful. I, I love getting to hear you guys. Getting to hear you guys sing. Your name is power. Your name is healing. Your name is life. Break every stronghold. Wow. Like our, our God is really, really, really good at doing that. And so, uh, and so we're thankful because that's exactly what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about how, how, how relational strongholds, how relational conflict can be broken when we enter Jesus into this scenario. And, uh, and that's all this, con- this conflict series is, a, is about. It's about how we can, can honor God in conflict, how we can look more like Jesus in conflict, and, uh, and ultimately how we can point the other party to Jesus in, in conflict. And so, uh, so we're going we're gonna to bring this series uh, into, into week two. If you were here last week, you got to hear Steve Jamison preach. He did an amazing, an absolutely amazing job. I would encourage you that if you did not hear that message, go back on our YouTube channel and, uh, and go listen to it. Uh, but we're talking about conflict because let's, let's be honest, it's all around us. Relational conflict is is all around us. Whether it's like you and your spouse, as you guys you know argued before you came in the the doors, you can nudge one another. I don't. It's okay. Uh, or for you teenagers, maybe it's with a parent, or a parent maybe it's with a teenager, or a family member, or a coworker. Like conflict exists all around us. It's never roses in every relationship that you that you have. And if you're uh, if you're saying that it is, then you're probably the one that probably needs to check. <sighs> I'm sorry. Uh, and so so here's here's the deal. When I think about when I think about conflict. I think about my wife and I, uh, particularly like when we first got married, it was, it was a real challenge. You know, you're getting a new roommate and, uh, and you can't exit the four walls. Like you're, you're stuck. And so uh, if you know me, I'm a little bit OCD. Uh, I like things put in a certain way. I like my socks folded a certain way. Uh, I'm a, the type of person that like the bed being made is the first and most important task of the day. Anybody with me? Any, yes, all right, awesome. You're in my camp. If you're not clapping, you think I'm insane, and you're in my wife's camp, and, uh, and we, are, we are automatically <laughs> at odds. Uh, but I remember this particular day, Janae is more of the like free spirit, relationally driven individual, and so like we, we were married. I don't even think we were married a month, and, uh, and I came home. Janae had been discipling young women all day, and I made the statement when I came home that created conflict and ultimately ultimately war in my, in my home. And, uh, and I walked in the house and I looked in our bedroom and the bed wasn't made. And I said, uh, don't judge me. I said, uh, what did you even do today? I know, I know it was bad. It was not, 
It was not pretty. Listen, I have to fail forward, so just give me grace in these moments. We're still married, been married for quite some time, and it's going great. And, uh, <laughs> but, that, but that moment was not pretty. And I, and I learned as war was created in my home that the, that the solution to, to problems or to conflict is never, I'm going to point out immediately what it is that you've done wrong. Like, it's just, it's just not the way to resolve conflict. And some of you guys in here are getting really red because you're like, Ma, you're really dumb. And some of you women are like, I would kill you. And, uh, and she did, you know? And so uh, it just, didn't, it just didn't, go, it didn't go well. But conflict exists all around us. And, and you, guys, you guys know that. Some of you are probably experiencing that right now. And the question becomes like, man, why? Why? Especially for the righteous, especially for those of us that like, hey, man, I follow Jesus. I'm trying to do this thing the right way. I'm spending time with the Lord. Like, why does conflict persist? Why on my job am I consistently having this problem with every other person I engage with? Why am I always having issues with, with my spouse or with my kids? Why does it seem that there is never a season I'm entering into that does not have some type of relational conflict? Why does conflict exist? And more importantly, why does it persist? Well, James, the brother of Jesus, he starts, he's, he's writing to, to the church as a whole. The church is now being, being persecuted. The first martyr has been killed, Stephen, and the church is now expanding out of Jerusalem and the church is on the run. They're gone. And they're experiencing conflict and adversity, not just relationally, but literally physically, like they are being killed for their faith. And James writes this to, to the first century church. He says, consider it pure joy, brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, aka whenever you face conflict. Why? Because the testing of your faith develops perseverance. And perseverance must finish its work in you so that you may be made mature and complete, not lacking in anything. And so conflict, adversity, trials, relational conflict exists so that we would not lack anything. God would have it so that we would look more like Jesus. And in order to do that, he has to place us in some adverse situations and in some conflicting circumstances so that we would be refined and molded to be made to look more like Jesus. And so he says, he says, hey, I, I have to put you through some relational conflict so that you can look more like my son. And ultimately what God is saying is he is more concerned with strengthening us and molding us than he is our happiness or our comfort level. God is saying, I am trying to mold you. I am trying to develop you. And so when things get tough and relational conflicts arise, because they will arise, they are arising, we need to trust that God is at work. We need to trust that God is molding us, that God is shaping us to look more like Jesus. And so the question is, like, where do we start? How do we, like, how do we get to a place where it's like, okay, God, like, help, me, help me see what you're trying to do instead of seeing my conflict. Help me, not have, help me not have Peter syndrome to where you tell me to come walk out on the water and then I'm walking out to you because I trust you, but all of a sudden the situation gets a little chaotic and I take my eyes off of you and then I begin to drown. Jesus, how can I keep my eyes on you when relational conflict begins to arise in my life? 
Well, Jesus has, Jesus has the answer, and he tells us to start here. Matthew 7, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is wrapping it up, and he gives us, he gives us this perspective of conflict and how we are to go about it. He says this, do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. He says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own? You hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. This is an interesting passage because oftentimes when we look at the text of Scripture, like we are called to operate in, in humility, right? We're called to put the needs of others before, before our own. We're called to say, uh, hey, don't think about yourself less, but think less about, or sorry, don't think less about yourself, but think about yourself less, Right? That's the concept of humility that oftentimes pops up in my brain. But in this particular circumstance, God says when it comes to relational conflict, you go first. He's like, lead with humility, a.k.a. self-assess yourself before you bring somebody and what it is that they've done wrong or however it is that they've hurt you. He's like, assess yourself first. It's one of the few places where the text of Scripture says, go first, follower of Jesus. And so we are called to lead with humility, and that starts by doing a self-assessment. That starts at looking within. I, uh, when I think about self-assessment, my wife and I are, are dealing with uh, Florida's winter, which means that there is uh, Florida snow all over our yard. There's weeds all over our yard. Anybody else dealing with this? It's terrible. Okay, everybody, well, then talk to me about a lawn guy when we leave. Nobody else is dealing with this. Uh, and so, like, I'm... I'm going through this, through this challenge of, man, like my yard looks, looks kind of rough. It's cut, but I'm tired of seeing white all over it. There's weeds everywhere. And so we called out a lawn guy and we we're like, hey man, assess this for us. And he looks at me and he says, hey bud, I just want to let you know it's going to get worse before it gets better. And I was like, that's terrible news. And he's like, no, 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 check me out. Like, when, when we come out, we're going to spray everything. It's going to kill all the current weeds. It's going to get rid of your Florida snow, but all of those spots will be brown for a season, and then the new growth will come. He was like, it'll, it'll happen. It's just going to take time. And so Nay and I have a, have a decision to make. After you guys present us with some new lawn people, we have, we have a new decision to make. It's like, do we want to go through the process of our yard looking like trash before new growth and healing comes? Do we want to go through that? And conflict is the same way. Before we address conflict with the other party, we have to decide. We have to decide if we are going to take an honest assessment of ourself before we approach the other party because God is more than likely trying to do something in you before he tries to do something in them when you approach them. And so we have to look at ourselves and say, all right, like before I approach them and tell them what they did wrong, do I want to take a self-assessment? And if we're sitting in a place and we're unwilling to do that, if we're unwilling to say, Holy Spirit of God, search me. Holy Spirit of God, show me 
what is in me that you may not want. Weed out whatever is in me that is not allowing me to look more like Jesus before I approach the other party and tell them what they've done wrong. If we are not willing to do that, I would be willing to say that we should not be approaching conflict with the other party at all. And so what does self-assessment look like? How do we do that? How do we go about that? Well, the, the psalmist in Psalm 139, this is, the, this is the driving point as we go throughout this entire series. We would encourage you every single day, just read Psalm 139. It's like 24 verses. Just read it. Allow your life and your mind and your heart to marinate in that as you begin to look more like Jesus. And the psalmist says this, Oh Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. Just because God is distant doesn't mean that he's disconnected. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. And before word is on my tongue, God, you know it completely. David is, David is communicating to us that God knows us intimately like he sees in us. Nothing is hidden from the Lord. Like we are, we are in the presence of God. When we stand before the Lord, when we are in prayer and we are talking to the Lord, he's like, nothing is hidden from me. You are laid out before me and I see in you, not just your actions, but your why. I know why you are doing what you are doing. We are vulnerable before the Lord and leading with humility. Well, well, it's putting vulnerability on display. It's deciding to be vulnerable. And not just with God, but also with one another. And if we're, if we're 100% honest, vulnerability scares us a bit. Transparency freaks us out a bit. There was a, there's a little boy that like, uh, you know those people that look at you and you feel like you can see within to the depths of my soul? Like those people terrify me. I'm like, I don't like that you, I feel like you can see inside of me. And, uh, and I, that's God, right? And so vulnerability creeps us out a little bit. Because honestly, the world teaches us that, like, that we should self-preserve. And so we use verses in, in Proverbs like, guard your heart. And we make them this banner for our unwillingness to be transparent. We say, like, I don't have to be transparent. You know why? Because the person that we are in conflict with, in order even to really have conflict with somebody, we have had to give them access in order to be able to hurt us anyway. And so, like, because they hurt us, and now because conflict has arisen, we're like, you know what? Now I'm going to cut you off so that you can no longer hurt me, and I'm going to guard my heart. And Jesus is like, that's not, that's not what I meant, and that's not how I'm calling you to operate. I'm calling you to be, to be vulnerable, to be open, to be transparent. And we are pros at setting up boundaries and walls to protect ourselves. But let me ask you this. When's the last time that you, like somebody's hurt you and you looked at them nose to nose and are like, hey, when you said this, it really hurt me in this way. When you did this, like I, I felt this way and it, it hurt, man. Even me as a guy, like that statement, those statements, even as I like wrote them down, I'm like thinking to myself, man, this sounds soft. Like anybody, like any, like I felt that way. But, but truth is, the, the gospel is like, Jesus is like, hey, that's how we're called to operate. We are called to be honest and transparent and vulnerable with one another. We are vulnerable before the Lord. We are vulnerable with one another. 
And I sit in a place where like oftentimes I don't, I don't like that or I think it feels soft because like I don't oftentimes have language to explain what it is that I feel. And many of you are probably in the same boat. I remember when uh, Janae and I, before we were about to get married, we're in premarital counseling and I didn't have a lot of language to discuss like the things that I was feeling. All I had was like, I'm mad, I'm sad, and I'm frustrated. Like that was, those were my three adjectives. And I remember my, uh, the, the premarital counselor, he gave us this binder, and I, I still have the binder in my office, and it has this list of adjectives in it for me. And it's like, here you go, Miles. It, here's language for what you want to say. And I'm like, thank you. Now that I have that language, oftentimes I, I still don't even use it. I figure out the problem in my own brain. I, self, I self-assess. And I understand like, all right, this is how I feel, but oftentimes I don't communicate that to my wife. I don't communicate that to the people that have hurt me or to the people that I have conflict with. I get quiet. I stop before the process gets to vulnerability. And when we don't communicate honestly and openly, what we do is we hinder the process of reconciliation. If you don't know what reconciliation is, it is the restoration of a previously broken relationship based on repentance and forgiveness. And we have been reconciled to God by Jesus. Sin broke the relationship that we had with a perfect and almighty and holy God. And now there is a chasm between God's righteousness and holiness and our unholiness and our unrighteousness. And so what God did was he sent Jesus to live the perfect life that you and I could never live and then to die the death that we should have died as a result of sin. And now he has bridged the gap for us to God so that we now have a reconciler in Jesus. Reconciliation is the gospel. And so what, what, what Jesus is saying and what David is saying in this psalm is that when we decide to be vulnerable, we are putting ourselves and positioning ourselves to be reconcilers for broken people to Jesus because that is our call. He says, now that you have connected to God the Father through his son, Jesus Christ, you are now supposed to be little replicas of the Savior all throughout the world, which means your relationships with people should be to reconcile them back to Jesus so that he can connect them to the Father. That's our call. Jesus was vulnerable. Our call is to be vulnerable, to follow in his footsteps, to be a bridge for other people in the same way that Jesus was a bridge to us. And the question is, is what happens to bridges? Bridges get stepped on, they get spat upon, they get trampled on, they get used. And God says that you are supposed to follow in the footsteps of my son and be a bridge. And so our our heart in this place is is that one day, by God's grace and mercy, we would build a building on the back of this lot named the Bridge Center, where we could house nonprofits and where lost people that don't know Jesus can come in often. And what's going to happen when those lost people come into that place? They're going to use us. They're going to walk on us. They're going to spit on us. They're going to treat us like they don't know Jesus because they don't. And our call and our commission is to be a bridge. And so why not start now? 
in our relational worlds, in, in moments and seasons and situations where conflict exists, God says, I am teaching you right now to be a bridge so that you would lack nothing, so that you can be prepared when people come onto this parking lot to be a bridge for them to Jesus, so that you would see many come to know me. I am preparing you for something that you can't even see yet. And that's what God is doing for us. The psalmist's response to vulnerability, it's, it's the same as ours. I love it, right? Because David is human. David's normal. He doesn't like vulnerability or transparency any more than, than we do. And so his response is to run. He talks about vulnerability. He talks about how Jesus can intimately see within him. And then his response is, where can I go from your spirit? I got to get out of here. I don't like this. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. And I love God's response to our unwillingness to be vulnerable or to our unwillingness to be transparent. God's response is to pursue us all the more. He's like, you don't like being vulnerable? You don't like being transparent? That's okay. I'm still going to chase after you. I'm still coming after you. And his pursuit of us displays his loyalty to us. God says, or David says, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. And, and God, what God is putting on display for us is that he's been personally invested in us from the beginning of time. From your mother's womb, before you, your body was formed, he's like, I knew you. I was invested in you, and my investment is not going to stop just because you are unwilling to be transparent. I am chasing after you. If you're running from Jesus, if you know who Jesus has called you to be, if you know Jesus has called you to himself, and you're sitting there running away, and you're like, why is this dude still in pursuit of me? And he's like, because I've been invested in you from the beginning. David, the psalmist's response to this, to this fact, to this truth, is he breaks out in praise. He's like, how precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. And leading with humility within conflict is an act of worship. That's what the psalmist explains to us. He's like, hey, when you decide to honor God, when you decide to look like Jesus, and when you decide to point the other party to Jesus in conflict, all you're doing is putting up hands of worship. And so we're going to come in here at the end of this month, and we're going to corporately worship together. We're going to have a worship night. But what you need to know is that all of life is worship. Not just when you come in here and you lift your voice and you sing songs and you raise your hands. Like, that's amazing. But every bit of your life, every relationship that you have, every situation that you step into, God is like, this is an act of worship. Do it for me. Honor me. Leading with humility is an act of worship. And so when we self-assess, when we're vulnerable, what we're doing is we're telling Jesus, Jesus, I trust you. And so the psalmist wraps up. He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Leading with humility, lastly, is deciding to surrender. 
It's deciding to give up and say, God, like, I, I can't do anything here. I've self-assessed. I've been vulnerable. I give this to you. I give this person. I give this situation. I, I hand it over, God. It's yours. You can do better with it than what I can. Surrender for me is, uh, is very interesting. I remember when um, Janae and I were getting ready to get married, and my, my buddies and I were trying to figure out what we were going to do for our bachelor party. And uh, this isn't going any crazy way. Just to let you know, I can see the faces. Uh, but we were getting married in Oregon. And so like some of my friends thought up the crazy idea of, hey, let's go white water rafting. And I'm looking at my buddies and I'm like, hey, bro, we don't do that. Like, that's not like, that's not what we do, bro. That's not what we do at all. And so, uh, and so we ended up going. But I remember like the whole time, the whole time I'm looking, at, I'm looking at the guide and I'm looking at my friends and I'm like, hey man, I fall out this boat, come get me. Like don't, and he's like, nah, just lay on your back, buddy. It's gonna be, I'm like, no, come get me. And so like, I'm having to be real vulnerable and real transparent in this moment. Like I'm scared, man. I'm really terrified. And I remember getting in that boat and I remember having to fully surrender and trust the guide that was navigating us through those waters. And I fell out a few times, and now I love whitewater rafting. Every chance I can get, I'm like, yo, let's go. I'm going to Washington. Let's go. Like, I, I love it. It's so much fun. But in order to get there, I had to surrender. And Jesus, Jesus, when conflict arises, is our guide in the same manner. He says, I need you to decide to self-assess. I need you to decide to be vulnerable. And I need you to decide to surrender the situation to me. That's your first steps when it comes to conflict. And so I don't know where you are today. I don't know if you're sitting in a place where you need to begin to self-assess. I don't know if you need to decide to be vulnerable. I don't know if you need to decide to surrender. I don't know if you need to decide to just trust Jesus for the very first time and even just start the process. But wherever you are, I I want you to know that we're with you, that we want to walk with you. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus and you haven't decided to trust him for the very first time, it's super simple. This is a relationship. It's not a religion. It's not about what you do. It's about what Jesus has already done for you on the cross. And he says like, hey, I, I will take you and take what is broken and reconcile you and make you whole so that you can be in relationship with God the Father again. And so it's a simple prayer that says, Jesus, I I accept what you did in my life. I accept that your life, your death, and your resurrection were good enough, and I no longer have to be good enough because you are for me. That's all a relationship with Jesus is. It's as simple as that. If you don't have that relationship, if you've never trusted Jesus, I want to ask you to respond to that today. And in order to do that, it's a simple prayer that I'll pray with you, but I'm going to ask section by section, just raise your hand if you want to walk into a relationship with Jesus today. Put your hand up and just leave it there. Here. 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 Let's pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, Please come, take control of my life from this day forward. I confess my sin to you, and I believe that what you did for me was enough. Holy Spirit of God, 
fill my life and help me navigate in such a way that brings people to you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you so much for the hands that have been raised. I thank you so much that we get to trust in your son, Jesus, and as a result, our lives will be forever changed. God, we love you, and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Man, can we give God praise for people that came to know Jesus today? Thank you for listening. We understand that life is a journey and that the journey has many stages. No matter what stage you're in, TC3 is a place where you can plug in and be poured into. So if you're looking for community, we would love to connect with you. Start by hitting the subscribe button, then click the connect link in today's episode. This is your opportunity to join in on what God is doing at TC3. We are confident that he's just getting started with us and with you. We look forward to sharing more of the path with you.